the path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. A very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful <laughs> spells. She's actually sitting me in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Let's it be, y'all. Let's it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Welcome to That Witch Life Podcast. I'm Hillary. I'm your host today. I'm joined by Kanani. Hello. And Courtney. Hi. <laughs> we have a really great show today that we're excited about. We have Don Aurora Hunt from Kuchina Aurora is here to discuss food magic. We got some great feedback for one of our listener questions. And Courtney is going to talk with us about magic of the upcoming full moon. In theory. In theory, I'm going to I'm going to try really hard to get through this one, but I'm already sensing it's going to be one of those corny those episodes. We here's the thing: when you are a, a co podcaster with someone who is a child, it makes it really hard <laughs> uh, when when you're trying to get them to say really normal words or even like when punks compl- is not a normal word, Hillary. Okay, Nobody says that like, except me. <laughs> How is uh, everyone doing? Uh, it's fuck o'clock in the morning, so how well to be expected. Yeah, but right. I'm eating a Pop-Tart. Our state is on full lockdown. I can't see my family at Thanksgiving, so I'm, yep. I'm, uh, I'm going... I, y'all, I freaking watched The Crown last night. Oh, it's I so good. I finished watching... Well, just for the record, it does glorify imperialist colonialism, which I have a yes. problem with. But I yes. really love the costumes. Also, the acting is phenomenal. Like the costumes, the like, the shooting, the the acting, the cinematography is really good. And I also have to say, I have a huge problem with Margaret Thatcher. Period. Okay, the oh, way she governed, yep. her her very racist, colonialist beliefs, terrible, the absolute atrocities that she encouraged in Ireland. I have issues with Margaret Thatcher. I want to say this for the record. And then I watched the episode of The Crown, spoiler alert, where her people in parliament backstabbed her, just basically threw her under the bus, people that she had, uh, according to The Crown's version, don't know how true it is to life, it was Gillian Anderson's performance of what that kind of betrayal does to a person's body. Like, I'm getting teary just thinking about it and how she... It was really... I mean, oh, there's there's one thing... I mean, like, I, I agree. Like, I think Margaret Thatcher was horrifying. Um, however, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a woman in that position during that time period, regardless of belief. And, and to be honest, it just... It hit me hard as a, a public witch because... There, there is a sense in which and it happens more with women than with people who identify as male, but people who identify as women, you get this evil queen phenomenon. And I, I, I watch her just watch this actress. I'm not, I don't want to say Margaret Thatcher. I don't want to say I'm feeling sympathy for Margaret Thatcher. No, not I'm at all. I'm feeling sympathy for the character that Gillian Anderson was portraying and how she was, how she held her body and held that grief and I was on the couch just 
sobbing and my husband came downstairs and I'm like, I'm crying over Margaret Thatcher and I don't know how to feel about it. And then I started <laughs> laughing, <laughs> laughing and crying. And I had a cat. My cat was, was sitting on my lap cuddling me. My husband's like, here, honey, here's a box of tissues. I'm like, thank you. I also need my wine glass refilled. <laughs> I went to bed laughing so hard because I, w- I think it was just also the grief of having to, to give up my, my time with my family this holiday, which I also recognize as celebrates imperialism, colonialism, but it's also a time my, my family and I, I, my family has a hard time with me sometimes because of the witchcraft and everything. But one place we all come together is food. So this holiday of getting together to celebrate food is incredibly sacred to me. And I, because I'm not going to get to see them, you know, I've kind of like put that away and like, you know what, we're just going to muddle through. It's going to be okay. And then I think just watching this actress hold that grief in her body, just let something loose in me. And I started sobbing. So I was sobbing over Margaret Thatcher, which is a sentence I never thought I would say well, I ever. I know you're like, like you thought maybe like laughing or screaming or flipping her off or like, but then oh, you're like, I know. I'm Throwing crying. Things at the television, getting into fight with my husband because I threw something at the television. Those are the yeah. normal things I would expect to have. But Same. no, I'm just, I'm just like, and um, so I went to bed laughing and I couldn't go to sleep because I was laughing too hard at myself for crying over Margaret Thatcher. And now I'm oh drinking tea. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> so it's a really, it's a, it's a full uh, British experience. <laughs> uh, maybe. So what has everyone been up to magically? Maybe I should have asked that question instead. I've been buying super vampy outfits online. Ooh. For when I can actually <laughs> leave my house in 2021. Because I'm about ready to kick 2020 in the teeth. I'm so fucking over it. So I'm just buying scandalous outfits and planning for 2021. That's my plan. <laughs> what about you, Courtney? Anything magical? Other than crying at Margaret Thatcher, which is like in and of itself a miracle or some it's sort shadow of weird... Work. Shadow work. Shadow work. Yes. Well, so over the summer, I started the practice of making a land spirit offering first thing in the morning. And I, um, would go out and pour water. Um, but since we've had a very, very wet couple of weeks here, I switched gears and now I go outside and I sing to the land spirits first thing in the morning. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, I know I do. And this morning, actually, we, cause we had a couple of dry days and went back to do water, but I think it's, it's, taking that notice of what does the land needs lands like actually we're good on water right now, but you want to come out and say, hi, that's great. And I, and plants and animals do respond to song. I mean, not like literally birds come out while I'm singing. That's not what happens, but I mean, just the, the environment shifts. Um, and as a result, I've had some very informative dreams. Um, I feel like I've connected with a specific land spirit and, um, I don't feel like I can say what she told me, but um, this is the second time she's come to me with information. The first time that information panned out as something I need to be aware of. So uh, I'm waiting to see how this one pans out. Nice. Mm-hmm. Lovely. I like that shift because, yeah, I, um, I for a while was uh, pouring water to my ancestors in the morning. And then, like, similarly, it's like pouring. And I'm like, what the what the fuck am I supposed to do now? <laughs> it's like, cool. I'll just give you some water on top of the like gallons of water you're getting. Uh, you know, I'm so picturing I was, you like, guys outside with hair dryers, like lovingly drying them <laughs> off. Oh my god, that's what I want to see. Oh my god, that's what you I know. There is, there is, um, there is a group of atheists that do this kind of what they call like a reverse baptism, 
where they dress up in funky like fake monk robes and they they turn on a hairdryer and they blow dry people's foreheads where their baptisms took place. Oh my so god! It, it, yeah, it's it's supposed to be. It was supposed to be a spoof, but some people said they actually found some some very personal. I don't want to say spiritual because I don't know that atheists would necessarily use that. But they said there was some profound significance for them in you know in letting if, if that go had, or whatever. Yeah, letting that go if they had a traumatic experience with um, their religions of origin or religion in general that there was it was very significant for them. So I thought reminded me of that of, of sacred hair dryers, which is you do awesome. realize that now when I come over to your guys' houses, I'm going to attack you with a hair dryer. Well, what's really going to happen here you're lazy, is you're too lazy, you won't do it. Kanania is just First, trying. I have to buy a hair dryer, but when I do, <laughs> I will attack you with it. Kanani is just t- trying to get us electrocuted so she can take over the show. That was part of it. <laughs> but yeah, but then she had produced it herself, and that won't happen. That yeah, won't happen. happen. Yeah, she's I'll have like a shit. Lot of stuff recorded on my t- my laptop that no one will ever hear. That's what will happen. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be tremendous. It'll be phenomenal, but no one will ever hear about it. Oh my god. <laughs> That is so a Kanani podcast. So exactly how it would happen. Uh, what have I been up to? I well, I so I recently got ordained to be able to marry people. So that Hot. is kind of exciting. Um, I've been meaning to do that for a while, and it was <clears throat> it was sparked uh, recently by some Supreme Court nominations that I don't want to go into. I've been digging into some more. Like so, I've done obviously like a lot of work with herbs, but I've been starting to dig into to resins and their properties. So that's been kind of cool. Okay, so this is a response uh, from a listener that came from a listener question uh, from episode fifty eight on grounding and centering. This person has a Title Nine right to practice in the service. They should contact their unit chaplain. That chaplain is required to provide religious services for all of the service members in their unit. Clearly, they do not perform these services. As such, they are required to provide a space for this service member to perform their own rites. However, the service member is often prohibited from using candles or incense in the barracks as they are not allowed an open flame in there. If you would like, my Wiccan church has a branch that supports service members and maintains several open circles on military installations. The church is called the Sacred Well. If looking for the website, it is sacredwell.org. And then they're like, not.com, that is a metaphysical shop. So very, very specifically, sacredwell.org. They can also look into Circle Sanctuary. The Sacred Well is working towards sponsoring a military chaplain, and Circle Sanctuary was the organization which pushed through the authorization for the Pentacle Headstone. May you all be blessed by the gods, Becky Adams. P.S. I absolutely love your podcast. Well, we love you too. And that's a great response. Like, again, we had no concept that that was possible and, you know, we didn't, we, you know, we can't speak to that. So it's really, that's so helpful. So I hope our listener um, hears that and connects uh, with Becky uh, via the sacredwell.org and maybe they can help you kind of navigate that in a way that's even better than we can. I think Clearly. that's awesome. Yeah, Becky also left us an email address so our listener or if any of our listeners who are service people would like to be in contact with Becky, um, please email us at thatwitchlifepodcast at gmail.com and we are happy to connect you with Becky. All right, so next up, Courtney, are we ready for this, is going to talk about the beaver moon. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. 
Courtney is in fifth grade and can't is the hold it together. That's what it is. She keeps coming up with all <laughs> these words. My we, you fault. live. You live in the Beaver State. Okay, is it I, that I weird? She grew up in Beaverton, so I didn't okay. Know yeah. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. When I was in New York, and it never. Okay, yes, I grew up in Beaverton, Oregon. Also, around never, tons of beavers, and you can't even like handle it. Actually, I never saw no a I'm beaver play, growing I'm just, up. It was a play on the. It was a play on. All Beaverton. right, I got it. Yes. Okay, <laughs> but. That was Kanani's mascot in high school. She was a beaver. Still am. Oregon State University, baby. Go beaver. Better than our mascot. Anyway, anyway, so my, um, <laughs> so when I was in New York, actually, I was telling a story on stage about like taking your classmates to the crisis pregnancy center in Beaverton, downtown Beaverton, and then running into other Catholic school classmates in at the crisis pregnancy center. And everybody started laughing and I thought they were laughing at the concept of these, you know, these Catholic school girls running into each other at the crisis pregnancy center. No, they were laughing at the name of my hometown, which is Beaverton. Like even Bill Maher made a joke in one of his, his, his new rules. He said like the residents of Beaverton, Oregon have to admit it's kind of funny. And I'm like, Oh fuck. So anyway, you know what? You need to just wear your beaver proudly. Like I do. Okay. (laughs) Is that why you get arrested so often? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Why I'm on the internet right, right. searching yep. for vampy outfits. So, Courtney, the- you're, what, what moon are you going to discuss now again? I am discussing the beaver moon, <laughs> which <laughs> is happening on November 30th. Okay, so in North America, the full moon in November is called the beaver moon, Um is as, it like a as, big beaver or a little beaver? <laughs> I hate you both so much. <laughs> okay, seriously is though. Is it prominent? Well, no, I've is heard, it a prominent I've heard beaver? the size of the beaver matters, so that's why I'm asking. It's a full beaver. Here, just say quinkunks really fast three times. No, It'll no, make it better. No, 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 seriously. We have to move on. We have a time limit here, okay? So, um, okay, so in North America, um, the full the moon in November beaver. is commonly called the beaver moon, as it was called as such by several indigenous American nations, as well as many colonists, as this was a time of the year when beavers, the little animal, begins to take shelter in their lodges, having laid up sufficient stores of food for the long winter ahead. Um, So during the time of the fur trade, when North America was first being colonized, it was also the season to trap beavers for their, for their thick winter ready pelts. Is it for their fur? The furry beavers? I'm really, uh, I'm really glad that you clarified that you were talking about the little animals. That was, I appreciate it. No one, no one thought that's what you were talking about. Hey, Stop. Other names for the November full moon include the frost moon and the frozen moon. (laughs) Judging by the chilly weather that becomes more common at this time of year, it makes sense. Another name, the digging or scratching moon, (laughs) evokes image. (laughs) That's a hygiene issue. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we let you do these? Why? Because I I have good information. Okay, you can get it out. Of animals scratching at the fallen leaves, foraging for nuts. It's too easy. That's too easy. Or remaining shoots of green foliage with the okay. implication that winter is on the way. 
Okay, so magically speaking, this is a good time for protection magic. So blessing your home and house or other things of property, imagining that everything is going underground for a time. Throwing salt on your threshold is a helpful tool, as well as burning rosemary for smoke clearing to protect the house from negative entities. Um, blessing your keys is a great way to protect your home and assets, since most of us carry our keys with us all the time. So there's a practical as well as a symbolic um, aspect to the blessing of the key. Now, because the sun is actually in Sagittarius, the moon is in its polar opposite, which is Gemini. So this is a good moon for communication, um, as this is a sector which is ruled by Gemini. I am a big fan of using both lavender and yellow candles to enhance positive communication. Um, so burning yellow candles by a swatch of lavender or creating a lavender oil on this Gemini beaver full moon is helpful in creating communication components. You can then carry the lavender in a satchel, excuse me, sachet or set in a bath and cleanse yourself with it as a way to improve the clarity with which others hear you or improve your communication with other people. Some herbalists would advise um, you not to use too much lavender oil on um, young children who are assigned male at birth as it can um, interfere with testosterone production. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's so just something to be mindful of if you have small children in the house. Um, there is also this year, there is a lunar eclipse on this moon. Um, lunar eclipses put things in a different light so, to, light, so to speak. Some people really like them for banishings. So if you are looking to banish negative communication or things that provide discomfort, consider timing your spell working within a few hours of the eclipse. You'll want to look up online what time the eclipse will be um, happening in your area in order to do that. Um, sometimes this involves getting up at strange hours of the night. Again, not absolutely necessary. Some people don't like to do work at all in the eclipses. That's also fine. But um, this is a really, I mean, this is the, the two key things here for this specific full moon are protection and communication. So however you need to um, embody that in your life, this is a great moon to be able to help with that. So what I heard I from it. you is guard your beaver <laughs> and use it to talk clearly. That's what I heard from you. Oh, my you. God. I quit the show. So, Courtney, we also have a shout-out we're giving to the Jasmine Pearl Oracle deck. Tell us all about it. Yeah, it's actually called the Opal Oracle, and I just got it this week, and it is fabulous. Um, here is a little bit about the deck. It is designed to deliver empowering messages and clear guidance, nudging the practitioner in the direction of their highest good. Um, in this vibrant and joyful deck, readers can dive more deeply into a path of self-compassion and reveal to themselves love exists in the world around them. Um, it is, can serve as a standalone deck or a deck of cards that can be used as a companion with other divination systems. So, so I've been um, messing around with this deck for a few days, and it is, I, you know, I'm kind of funny about Oracle decks. Sometimes I find that they're just a little too vague or a little too like, like, you know, positive silliness, but this one is really not that. Now, while it certainly is uplifting and it really gives you, you know, it, it gives you some, you, know, you feel really good after it. You don't feel unnerved or unfocused after looking at it, but it does, it is very, you know, clear with you when it's time to do something different. Like for example, 
In one of their cards, it simply says, grounding, get quiet, stay present. Now is not the time for detachment. Get centered in your body's awareness. Doing so will help you create the stability that you desire. So I really, really recommend this one if you want to um, start working with a divination system or just use, I like also Oracle cards are helpful after you do a tarot reading where it's like, well, what do I do about it? Pulling an Oracle card can be helpful as like a a how-to. So you can get the deck at lovejoylightwork.com. Um, and you can also find that on our website. So thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. As you know, we announced this week that this month we are hosting a live Q&A and discussion with Matt Aaron, who is this year's Patreon pick. Patreons of all levels, $1 and up, are invited to join and help us interview Matt. So if you love as Matt as much as we do, it's a great way to get some insight from him and you'll get to interact with him via our Patreon. So if you're not already a patron and would like to be, now is a good time. Guests who join at the $5 or above can join our Witch Squad, which gives you access to our private Facebook page as well as access to special quarterly events. And we've got some fabulous offerings to release in the new year. If you join at the Kanani Boyfriend, Girlfriend, and Befriend level for $25 a month, Courtney pulls a card for you. She is pulling for Genevieve this time. All right. Okay. Let me see what Genevieve gets. Ooh, King of Wands. Okay. So King of Wands is a card of um, mastery over creation. And um, I really like this one because it's very much about power and um, owning your sexuality, your creativity, and just really going for it. Um, so Genevieve, whatever it is that you're ready to go for, they really want you to go for it, whether that is a creative endeavor, a career endeavor, or a relationship. Um, don't wait. Don't put anything off till the end of the pandemic. They're saying to go for it now. And um, thanks, Genevieve, for uh, being a Kanani Envy friend. Other ways to support the show, if you can't do a monthly donation, you can buy us a coffee or buy That Witch Life mer- merchandise on Etsy. And we have some new spell kits coming out that are Oh my God, they're amazing. so fabulous. They're so good. So make sure you get over and check them out. Um, also consider becoming an episode sponsor. It's a great way to promote your business to thousands of witches. You can also purchase a shout out to let people know about your virtual event or just to send love to your favorite witch. Find out more on our website at thatwitchlife.com. Are you ready for a word from our sponsors? I'm always ready. We are all stuck inside, bored, trying to find things to do. There is pretty much no better time to focus on your witchcraft studies and increase your magical skills. That's why we are thrilled to have Sacred Mist Academy of Magical Arts and Sciences as an episode sponsor. Since 2002, Sacred Mist Academy has offered comprehensive online magical training programs with working witches around the world, including first through third degree Wicca training and an elder program available for initiates of the Sacred Mist tradition. Other programs include historical paganism, herbalist certifications, spellcrafting classes, tarot courses, Reiki training, and more. There are lots of enriching classes to choose from. Plus, if you just aren't getting enough of your That Witch Life hosts, our very own Courtney offers a spellcrafting and spellcasting certification through Sacred Mists. I've attended more than one of her classes over the years, and shh, don't tell her, but they're always pretty great. So get signed up and level up your spellcasting skills. All courses have their own private groups where students can gather and connect with other students. Students also have access to Sacred Mist Circle, a completely private, student-only social media platform, not Facebook, with profile pages. 
discussion boards, groups, blogs, a searchable book of shadows, videos, music, and more. Other Sacred Mist Academy social groups include witchcrafting, if you're interested in creating your own tools, a divination group to discuss decks and share readings, empath groups to explore this gift and learn about shielding, healing, kitchen witchcraft, and more. Join the Sacred Mist live chats for rituals, live divination readings, study halls, and social gatherings for and by students. To enroll, go to sacredmistacademy.com and enter Witch Life during registration to receive free enrollment, a savings of $30. Monthly tuition then depends on which course or courses you take. Limit one per student, available until December 31st, 2020. Manifest the change you want to see in yourself and the world around you through Sacred Mists Academy. The Sacred Mists Academy is a tremendous learning resource, but guess what? Sacred Mists also has a shop offering over a thousand witchcraft tools, supplies, and gifts, including crystals and gemstones, incense and candles, hand-rolled beeswax spell candles, and other spell supplies. This is literally a one-stop shop for witchcraft supplies. Sacred Mist Shop also offers over 75 plant seeds specifically curated for the witch's garden, including healing and magical herbs, flowers, and plant seeds, just a few of which include belladonna, mandrake, sweetgrass, moonflower, patchouli, elderberry, and mugwort, and so many more. Their divination tools include tarot and oracle decks and a gorgeous natural polished black obsidian scrying mirror with ornate antiqued brass stand available in two sizes. Sacred Mist Shop offers everything you need to set up your magical space, including wands, athames, hand-carved gemstones, runes, and wooden rune sets, god and goddess statuary, and more. They have everything a new witch could want and a bunch of other fun stuff and amazing things you didn't even know you needed until you're shopping there. The goddess statues are amazing and add so much energy to any altar. I love the bonsai wishing trees and had to have them. They're beautiful and a reminder of the energy I want to have around me. Plus, Sacred Mist Shop offers a wide variety of jewelry and books. Purchases at Sacred Mist Shop help support the education and training programs offered at Sacred Mist Academy. To get 10% off your purchase of 35 or more, go to sacredmist.com and use code WITCHLIFE at checkout. Offer available until December 31st, 2020. Sacred Mist Shop. Offering unique and handcraft witchcraft and Wicca supplies to the pagan community since 2002. Thank you to Sacred Miss Shop and Sacred Miss Academy for being an episode sponsor. On the topic of food magic, you all have to check out the book, The Magic of Food by Guion Raven. Guion is one of my favorite witches of all time, and I am so delighted that his book is now available. I've actually attended a number of classes led by Guion, and he is truly a remarkable soul, and we are all in luck that he has finally put his wisdom to paper. This is a truly magical collection of lore, recipes, and practices from modern and ancient cultures of the world. The Magic of Food reveals how to transform the mundane task of fueling your body into an opportunity for deep nourishment and connection to loved ones and rituals. This powerful book provides detailed information on food magic and rituals from edible aphrodisiacs to feasts for the gods. So whether you're preparing boar tacos for Bacchus or a vegetable frittata to celebrate the equinox... 
The magic of food helps you find community through food and helps you build your kitchen witch skills. Using history, magic, and more than 40 delicious recipes, you'll breathe new life into your devotional practice while you connect with ancestors and deities. The magic of food is available through Llewellyn Books, the world's oldest and largest independent publisher of books for mind, body, and spirit. Llewellyn is dedicated to bringing the readers their very best in metaphysical books and resources. Since 1901, Llewellyn has been at the forefront of holistic and metaphysical publishing and thought. The Magic of Food is available now at Llewellyn.com. Save 20% on this and other incredible titles during Llewellyn's holiday sale. Next year in 2021, Llewellyn will celebrate its 120th anniversary. They extend gratitude to everyone for allowing them to join their personal journeys during this time and for generations to come. And we thank Llewellyn for being an episode sponsor. Seriously, y'all, get The Magic of Food by Guion Raven. You can get it at Llewellyn.com. It's phenomenal. Well, I am thrilled to introduce our guest, Don Aurora Hunt. Don is the owner and CEO of Cucina Aurora Kitchen Witchery, has been teaching and writing on the topics of kitchen witchery and spiritual nutrition since 2010, when she started her own company making gourmet foods with a dash of magic and a heaping helping of positive vibes as the main ingredients. With simple ingredients and the power of intention, Hunt teaches people how to cook simple meals in a mindful way to help achieve spiritual goals. Incorporating magic and energy work into food, she has grown her brand to reach people from all faiths and spiritual backgrounds. The author of Tastes from the Temple, Hunt speaks at events all along the East Coast, appears regularly on local TV, and teaches people that good, healthy, and even gluten-free food can be easy to make and wonderful to eat. Don, we're super excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. I feel like you say all that stuff together and it's pretty impressive. I'm like, who is that girl? She's she's <laughs> got her she got her shit together and I'm over here wearing Hufflepuff pajama pants. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who she is. She's the woman that I met many years ago at a New York Pagan Pride and you oh had all of those olive oils out yeah. that was so delicious. And I sat Thanks. there and I ate all your samples and you let me and we were so nice <laughs> about it. So I, knew, I, I well, seriously listen, I, did. I sat there like it was a freaking all you can eat buffet and was just like dunk and munch, dunk and munch. It was like horrifying. And she was nice about it. And then she just put out more and said, help yourself. Oh my so God. yeah, so that's, that's how I make friends. I just feed people. So like stray cats. So once I feed them, they never <laughs> go away. Oh my God. So, so that's, and that's why I've kept you, Courtney. That's, that's why because I am a stray cat. Friends. That's yeah. I, honestly, yeah. not the first time someone has referred to me as a stray cat and <laughs> literally not. And nor also, will it be the last, nor, nor will it be the last. <laughs> so Don. <laughs> Oh my God. This episode, we're like, it's like early and we keep laughing. Um, so this is the question we start with for all of our guests. Um, how did you know, for, what, how did you first know you were a witch or a magical person? Wow. That's a really good question. Um, I don't know if I could pinpoint it to a certain thing. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that you don't decide to be a witch. You don't decide to be a pagan you, you realize that's what you are, right. Um, that you've always been that way. And then there's some sort of a light bulb moment that happens. At least that's how, how it happened for me, but gradual light bulb, more like a dimmer switch than a light bulb. Um, so 
I grew up very, very traditional Italian Catholic, right? From New York, Italian Catholic family, like religion was a big deal. Um, and, and I was very involved in my church. I, I used to sing in the church and I used to teach kids music in the church. And I was really super involved in the church, but I never really felt hundred percent comfortable there. You know, I, I can remember being a teenager and feeling like I needed to be quote close to God. And I would go outside and I would have conversations with the moon. Right. Um, without knowing that I was one, you know, that I was pagan or, or whatever. Like, I just didn't feel like in church was where I wanted to feel close to my spirituality. I wanted to be outdoors. I wanted to be talking to the moon. I wanted to be with nature. Um, and then in my first semester of college, I took a class called women in religion. And it was very challenging for me because it sort of challenged all of my beliefs and everything that I had ever been raised to, to believe, um, in terms of religion. And I was learning about all these, um, you know, these different faiths, these different spiritual paths. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is too overwhelming. And I actually dropped the class. Um, but I kept the textbook and I kept going back to it and like, kind of like sneaking and reading little passages and going, wow, this kind of makes sense for me. Wow. This, the idea of, you know, goddesses and polytheism and, women-led religions and, um, you know, just kind of coming into my own, uh, femininity, I guess, and, and being comfortable as a woman and being comfortable with what I was believing. And I was like, wow, this really, really makes sense to me. And then I was like, okay, I started reading about, uh, you know, paganism and I, I picked up uh, how to, uh, ride a silver broomstick. Um, that was, I think my first pagan book. Um, and then I began practicing solitary, um, in, in my late teens, early twenties. And then, uh, and so, so I started identifying then as a pagan, not necessarily a Wiccan, um, because I sort of incorporated everything that made sense for me that I, that, that worked for me in terms of my spirituality. And that was one of the biggest appeals for me was that, you know, being raised in a Catholic household, it's, you have to do this. Here are the rules. This is how it goes. You know, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. Um, and the gymnastics and, of the Roman Catholic faith. Yes. Did that. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It's, 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 it's so structured. And what I loved about paganism was that it was like, oh, you can take a little bit of this and you can take a little bit of that. And this works for you. And, and I really loved that. Um, the freedom to express my spiritual self in whatever way I felt in the moment, uh, was really wonderful for me. And then it was about 20, maybe 21. And I, I was in a Barnes and Noble and I picked up a book off the shelf. I was waiting for my boyfriend who is now my husband. He was working there and I was waiting for him to get off of work. And I pulled out this book called a kitchen, Witch's cookbook by Patricia Telesco. And I opened it up and I started reading like the first couple of pages, just standing in this bookstore. And I went, Holy shit, this is me. This is what I do. This is how I feel about food and home and family and nurturing and feeding people and, and, and the gods and how to celebrate the earth and how to stay connected. And, and that for me was that life-changing pivot and saying, oh, I'm a kitchen witch and I've always been a kitchen witch and I was raised by kitchen witches who just happen to think they're Catholic, you know? Um, because really, in, if, you're, if you've ever been to an Italian's home, you know that food is the religion. That is, it's, yes, it's part I'm of- Yes, I'm Italian. I'm married Italian. I can speak to that when I go to my husband's <laughs> right. family's house, for sure. Right, 
it, it is how we express love. It's how we deal with trauma. It's how we nurture other people. It's how we get through crisis. It's how we connect with each other as well as people outside of our family. Um, and I, I, that was the pivotal moment for me um, in terms of identifying as a kitchen witch. And it was from that point on that I started uh, picking up everything I could on the topic of kitchen witchery and sort of forming what worked for me and making these things more accessible in my life, right? Because I found that, okay, listen, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I'm a, I am like a terrible witch, right? I wish that I was outside under the full moon and doing dark moon ritual and doing this and doing that. Like, I don't, I'm a very busy person and I don't ever have the time to do those things, even though I want to, you know? So I'm like, man, I suck at this. Um, but, but food and preparing food and, and taking the time to be mindful and do my spell work through my everyday practices of feeding myself and feeding my husband and, and grocery shopping and whatever that is makes it very, very accessible. And what I found in my early learnings was that there wasn't a lot of accessible kitchen witchery information out there. And so I tried to kind of create my own, my own path. And again, such an appeal of being pagan, right? Is that we can carve out our own paths based on the work of those who have gone before us. Um, and, and that's pretty much where I'm at now. You know, I'm still carving that path and, I know that was a really long winded. <laughs> no, <laughs> I love that. Whole, my whole <laughs> life in a, in, in a nutshell. I feel like this question is never a short answer because it's mm. like, again, it's like really everyone's journey into witchcraft, you know, and it's never, it's never like, oh, well, I like woke up one day and poof, I was a witch. Like no one's right. journey is that. <laughs> like, no, no one. For those of us that you know, for our listeners that might not know or understand exactly what kitchen witchery encompasses, can you talk a little more in depth about like the different pieces? Like what, you know, what kind of elements exist within kitchen witchery? Right. So, um, there's the kitchen witchery is a huge blanket term. And I know a lot of people that will lump things like garden witchery and, and hedge witchery into that category. I, I disagree. Um, I believe that hearth witchery or, or, um, yeah, so I'm going to put it that way. All kitchen witches are hearth witches. Not all hearth witches are kitchen witches in my opinion. Right. Um, for example, I'm a terrible garden, witch. I have a black thumb. I am not good at growing things. I keep trying. I'm barely able to grow tomatoes, um, which is hilarious because they're my favorite food in the world. And I've never successfully grown a tomato plant in my life. Um, so that's hilarious. But for me, kitchen witchery looks like this. Um, it is using food as ritual. It is using food to stay connected to the earth and her cycles in terms of wherever you are on the planet. Right. Um, and, and this is, this is probably the simplest way to incorporate kitchen witchery, which is eating seasonally. You know, right now it's right before Thanksgiving and we're all thinking pie and stuffing and 
you know, fall flavors like rosemary potatoes. We don't crave those things in the middle of July when we're here in the Northeast, where I am in the Northeast. We don't crave those things in the middle of July because in the middle of July, that's not what the earth is saying we should have. The earth is saying, hey, here are these beautiful fresh peaches. And so we crave those things. So using food to stay connecting to seasons and Mother Earth and the turning of the wheel is a very important part of my practice um, and a very simple way to incorporate that into your life. I also um, am very, very big on using food's innate, energetic, spiritual uh, properties, right? So um, similarly to uh, herbalism, right, where this herb is really good for uh, this cause, right? So if you're going to drink a cup of chamomile tea, for example, you're going to use it because it's going to calm you, it's going to soothe you. Food has uh, energetic qualities as well. And, and I don't want to use the word medicinal because that's the, that's the wrong word. That's not what I do, but there are these qualities that heal or work within spirit that, um, if you, if you do the work to get to know what those things are, what those properties are, then you can use those foods to glean spiritual goals. What do I mean by that? Um, simplest thing I can think of that comes to mind is using garlic, for example, which is a protective energy food with spinach, which is symbolic of prosperity, specifically money and leafy greens. Maybe you're concerned about losing your job, or maybe you're concerned about your investments uh, going in the toilet or whatever. If you were to saute that spinach with some garlic oil, now with visualization and mindfulness, because that's the key, um, you are now wrapping your finances in protective energy right? And then you physically take that into your body. So again, kitchen witchery is a very, very potent form of magic. So that's another way that I use these principles for kitchen witchery for my practice. And then another really simple uh, practice would be using food as symbols. So for example, if you want to stay connected or you want to, um, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm having trouble finding the right word. Um, if you want to stay connected or you want to um, work with the energy of, let's say, the sun god, for example, so especially around Yule, as we're heading into the Yule season and you want to encourage sun god energy uh, back into the, to the world as we do at this time of year, you might work with oranges or you might work with uh, lemons because they are round and so they're uh, and they're orange and yellow and so they have that energy of the sun god. So these are, these are like my basic ways of practicing kitchen witchery. And you can see they're all pretty simple, um, and something you could do every day. Um, and that's sort of my brand of kitchen witchery, because like I said earlier, there's a lot of things out there in terms of kitchen witchery that are not accessible, or they may be about working in the kitchen in terms of making soap or making incense or making tea, but it's not necessarily culinary. So for me, kitchen witchery equals culinary. It's food you can eat. It's food you can prepare. Um, that doesn't mean those other things aren't uh, va- valid or, or um, you know, I would, I would put those in the category of uh, hedge witchery or hearth witchery because they're still being done in the home, but not necessarily, for me, in my opinion, kitchen witchery because they're not food related. And I'm so excited about your new book, which is A Kitchen Witch's Guide to Recipes for Love and Romance. And I'm really mad at myself for lending it to Hillary because I know she's going <laughs> to pretend she doesn't have it. And I will never 
It's like in my hands and I'm never letting it go. No, it's, it's, first of all, it's a gorgeous book. Like the illustrations are beautiful, but I love how not only do you provide these wonderful recipes, but also you talk about, um, the spiritual nutrition of each component as well as their magical properties. So what was this process like for you in writing this book? Oh, (laughs) Uh, it was awesome and scary and terrifying and filled with crippling self-doubt, if I'm being incredibly honest with you. Um, oh, so writing, but, just like writing any book. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, the process of writing a book, especially this kind of book where I, I deliberately tried to make it very unique, right? And I, I think that in my, again, I can only ever speak from my own experiences and I never claim to be an expert on anything except what's worked for me and my own experiences. So in my experience, books out there on kitchen witchery can sometimes read like stereo instructions. Um, books on, on lots of witchery can sometimes read like stereo instructions and I am an emotional communicator. So for me to get it or be, um, engaged with material, I need to be emotionally connected to it. So in writing this book, I really wanted to make sure it sounded like me. It sounded like you were having a conversation with me, right? Um, And that the recipes were easy and that the magical practices were accessible. So if you are someone who has been practicing for 20 years, there's going to be something in there that is going to resonate with you. But if you're just getting into magic in any shape or form, this would be a really nice introduction for you. And there are things in there that are very simple, you know, again, very easy. And if you're not interested, you know, for the muggle world, if they want to just open it up and, and, you know, they're like, oh, this is a great cookbook. There's really good recipes here. Um, That's good as well. So I really wanted this to be a piece that could resonate with everyone. And, and I think I, I wanted it to be that way because food is so connective right? The idea of if you boil everything down, right? If you, if you boil it down to the basics of kitchen wishery are cooking with love and intention, right? Everything else we do above that is sort of the icing, the witchcraft of it, the practice of it, but the basics of it is kitchen witchery. Just like in my opinion, the basis of paganism is do whatever you're going to do. Just don't hurt anybody, right? Don't be a dick. That's the, that's the basis of pretty much how, how I live my life. Whether the basis of witchcraft, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Be a dick. Well, well, right. Harm none, harm none. That's, that's what we live by harm none. Right. So including yourself. So don't be a dick. Don't be a dick to yourself. Don't be a dick to other people. Do your practice for the good of everybody. Don't be a dick. I'm sorry. My New York is coming out. Um, (laughs) Right. So, so if you boil it all down, everybody can resonate with that message of, or the idea of cooking with love, cooking with intention, no matter what you believe, no matter what you practice. And, and I wanted it to be that way so that this could be for everybody. Um, the, the, the process itself of writing this book was actually years and years. I used to teach a class called recipes for romance. And when I was uh, before COVID, um, and, and back in the world when, when we could be in the world, um, and people would say to me, wow, there's so much information here. You should turn this into a book. And I was like, you know, come to think of it, 
There really aren't any witchy books out there that combine kitchen witchery and love spells, right? So I was like, well, I can put these two things together. And then taking a step back from that and saying, well, love isn't just about, you know, seduction and romance. Love is about loving self. Love is about connecting with other people, whether they're friends or coworkers or neighbors. Love is about maintaining relationships, you know, all these different aspects of love. And so I broke the book into three parts about loving the self, attracting others and rekindling the fires. Um, and I was very lucky because the publisher was like, yeah, we love it. Don't change a thing. They were like, I was like, I don't want to be too witchy. They might not go for it. And they were like, no, more witchy, more witchy. And I was like, yes, fantastic. So, um, I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of it. And, and I'm very grateful because people seem to be liking it. So I did something right. You did lots of things right. It's so many things oh, right. It's you. such a good book. And I mean, I, I loved it because one, I love making food and I love interesting recipes and it provides that. But then that element of how to infuse your food with magic is like, mm-hmm. it, I was just like, oh, this is like the me book. I want, like, I want to make everything <laughs> in here. I want to make every single thing in here. And in this, I love, I love that you said, don't be a dick to people and don't be a dick to yourself because my next question really involves not being a dick to yourself. So I think right now, <laughs> I think right now, you know, it's, it's a hard time for people. And I know for me personally, you know, going through this has also like some intentionally and some un- un- unintentionally uh, kind of led me to do more and more shadow work. And I think that... Mm-hmm. During that time, it's really important that we are caring for ourselves. So I look at this book and and I and I find so much insight. And I was wondering, what's your favorite self love recipe and why? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. The self love part of the book was the first section that I wrote, and um, I wrote it just before everything happened with COVID. So I wrote it in like January, February. And thank goodness that I did because sort of delving into those places within myself, like you said, the shadows places and kind of swimming through the muck of my own inner, how I feel about myself and my body, body image issues and all those things. Um, I don't think I would have been mentally healthy enough to go through that uh, once COVID hit, you know, um, and the world shut down and we had to sort of figure things out and, and, and pivot our whole lives. Um, it's funny because if you had asked me that question, when I, when, when I was writing it, I probably would have said the, the green goddess smoothie, um, because I simply love the way it makes me feel. I love being able to, you know, when, when you make that recipe, you're just like, I am so healthy. I feel like I can conquer the world. Um, you really feel like you're giving yourself something so good. Um, but having that been said, um, now through this process with COVID and lockdown and figuring out, you know, what, what happens next and all the emotional trauma that I think we've all been through as, as a human family in these last eight or nine months, I find myself gravitating towards the comfort foods. And there is a whole section on comfort foods and finding comfort and using food as comfort for self care, which we tend to think, you know, when it's put out there in, in everyday speech, um, or everyday 
talking with your friends, it's always like got this negative connotation. And, you know, I was like, oh, it's just, I'm just going to have my comfort foods and I'm just going to drown myself in macaroni and cheese until I make myself feel better. Like that, Been there's there, really on that. Right. No regrets. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and no regrets. That's exactly the point, Courtney, no regrets because we can use these comfort foods as magic to soothe our hearts that are broken right now, to soothe our souls that are feeling lost and lonely. These are coping mechanisms, which are coping mechanisms help you get through hard times. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. So if you need to like eat five pounds of of mashed potatoes this Thanksgiving because you're not going to be with the people you love, that's okay. And allowing yourself the permission to feel those feelings and create that food with the intention of comfort is okay. So if you had to, if you asked me this question again at the beginning of COVID, I would have been like, oh, green smoothie. I'm so healthy. Right now I'm like, (laughs) now I'm like pizza. Like uh, there's a section, right? There's a section in the book on like fancy grown-up pizza party. Super right? fancy pizza, right? Super fancy pizza. Well, since COVID has happened, we haven't really gotten a lot of takeout, and so I'm trying to like work on my pizza game at home. And so every two weeks, my husband and I have pizza night, and I'm always making a different kind of pizza. So like last night, uh, this Friday night's pizza was just a simple um, mushrooms and and and. Um, and spinach and roasted garlic. Like that's, that was my pizza this week. But last weekend I made, there's a fig and truffle pizza in the book. Oh my God. Oh, it's like, like it looks so good. So I started I mean, salivating when I was reading that. So I was like, well, so shit. Good. And it's so like fancy. So you feel, you feel like you're treating yourself. And I think there is something to be said. And I'm not talking about eating buckets of ice cream every night for dinner. Like don't anyone get me wrong. Right. Kanani. Not, right. Well, right. You know, I think that's a lifestyle (laughs) choice. Okay. (laughs) No judgment, no judgment. I just mean like, like I'm not advocating for bad, healthy, like, like unhealthy habits. I'm saying that if you need these things to help you find comfort and soothing during a hard time and you're, you're doing it with intention, visualization and purpose, you know, and, and you're using these things for your magical practice to soothe your, your broken heart. It's okay. And we should allow ourselves a little bit of breath around those things. Exactly. And I, and I loved it too, like that, that self-love section. I mean, the thing that's really, that I found or that resonated with me a lot was like the idea that like, I mean, what love, what self-love is, or what comfort is to people is very different. Like some people are going to be like, you know, uh, what feels like love as far as food, that might be a green goddess smoothie, right? Right. For some people, it might be chocolate. For some people, it might be, you know, like that thing your grandma used to cook you, like whatever it is, but that like, that you, whatever, that whatever you infuse into what you're making and feels right and comforting to you is right. You know, it's not like... It's not like, oh, well, in order to have self-love, it has to be this thing. You know, that's what I loved about the discussion on comfort food. When it's, whatever it is, and I get this all the time when I'm teaching a class, you know, I have people say things like, oh, I'm a terrible cook, or, um, you know, I don't cook, I only microwave things. And so I can't be a kitchen witch. And I say, that's bull, because it's all about you and your intentions. So if you think, if you think you can't cook, you're right. If you think you suck at cooking, you're right. Um, You know, if you think that food is just, you know, 
empty. You're right. It's all about you and your intention and how you feel. So even if you're a microwave queen, if you decide I'm going to microwave this macaroni and cheese, but I'm going to do it with the intention of comfort, joyful energy, because cheese is a joyful food. It's nurturing because of the dairy. That's very mothering energy. If you're aware of these things and you have that light bulb, that light switch turn on, you go, okay, I'm doing this with intention. Even as I stand here and wait the two minutes for my macaroni and cheese to microwave in those two minutes, I am taking a deep breath and I'm thinking about comfort and I have my intention going. Therein lies the magic. And I think that is so important to understand that magic and, and our energetic practice does not have to be giant, grandiose, you know, and, and like we said before, like dancing under every full moon, these yeah. minutes, these moments are magical and they're filled with intention and, and it's a way of living your practice every day, all the time. It's- That's such a good reminder because I feel like, I think it's very easy for all of us to get stuck in that like, oh, well, it's not enough or, oh, well, I, you know, I didn't have it exactly the way I wanted or wasn't as fancy or as grandiose Mm -hmm. or as whatever. But I mean, if I'm being totally honest, some of the most powerful rituals or experiences I have had were not the most elaborate. (laughs) So. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that like, I, I think it's always such a good reminder, especially right now where people feel so much pressure and, you know, and they're exhausted and, you know, some of us are b- so busy trying to juggle so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just such a good reminder that ma- it doesn't have to be elaborate or complicated to be powerful. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. So as we approach harvest, you know, what what is a good way as people are, I mean, I feel like you've kind of answered this as well, but I just, because it's, we're coming, you know, upon like a very food-based holiday. What's a good way to integrate magic into what we are preparing for this uh, upcoming holiday? So I, again, I think this goes for me anyway, uh, this goes into the seasonality, right? Um, and that seasonality and, and being very intentional about what we're doing and what we're cooking and how we're cooking it. Um, I think the holidays and the food around the holidays holds a lot of, um, there's a lot of emotion wrapped around it this year, right? Because we really can't do what we usually do. We really can't see the family we usually see. And, and then perhaps maybe what we're realizing is the rich, what we're, what we're missing in our souls, like our spirits are so sad, not because we're not, not only because we're not going to see family and friends that we would normally see, but because we're missing out on those yearly rituals of cooking, preparing, shopping. Like we think about that for a second and go, wow, our Thanksgiving holiday, our Christmas holiday, our Yule holiday, our Hanukkah holiday, all of these winter holidays are so closely associated with the rituals around food, right? Who's going to bring the turkey? How are we going to make the potatoes? When you think about even just people coming together, lots of times people have their extended family come over and, you know, cousin Susie's going to chop the onions and grandma's going to make the stuffing. And so you have this familial ritual around food. And we are going to be, for the most part, missing that this year. So what I think is very important is first to identify that, right? Yeah, you might be upset. Yeah, you might be pissed that, you know, COVID is running rampant and you have to stay home. And that sucks. 
A hundred percent, it sucks. However, why does it suck? Does it suck because of not seeing Cousin Susie or does it suck because of not seeing Cousin Susie and we're missing out on all these rituals based around food? Then once we identify that, we can go, okay, how can I either recreate these rituals on my own or what smaller, more intimate rituals around food can I do myself at this time? What are the the flavors, the foods, the smells that I am craving in my heart and in my soul? And how do I incorporate those into my traditions for the holiday season coming up? And I think most of us are going to find that those things are the seasonal things, the things we only have once a year at Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. So then being open and honest with ourselves about how can I recreate these myself or do I not want to recreate these myself? Do I want to make this year a year of memory? Do I want to treat this almost like Samhain because I'm mourning the loss of seeing my friends and family? And should I be setting a plate for the friends I'm not with this you know, to this holiday? Should I be uh, making a dish in honor of my grandmother who I can't see, who maybe has passed or maybe is in, uh, you know, a, 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 a facility in which she can't have visitors, right? And, and bringing everything a little bit back to our nuclear homes, our nuclear families, and creating new rituals for a time of strife. And that's sort of I think what we're all trying to navigate through. Um, so I would say in terms of how do we incorporate magic and magical practice into this year's holiday is to break those things down into bite-sized pieces that we can handle emotionally and then work them in our own home. So if you're used to, you know, mom's going to make a 25 pound turkey for everybody and, and she uses a certain kind of brine and you love that flavor, ask mom, mom, what do you make for that brine and make it yourself on a smaller scale and then share with her how you're doing it and, and create a ritual around the process, even being far away from each other. At least that's how, how we're doing it here in my home kind of bringing it back. So fucking powerful. I don't even know what to say right now. I know it really is. And it's like, I think that that's just such a beautiful way because I know everyone's feeling that it's like, they're missing their family. They're missing their friends. And like, exactly. I think sometimes when we get in these time periods, like, because our ritual can't be the same ritual the way that it has been, we're like, oh, well, I don't get to do, that's it. No ritual for me. And it's like, well, that's not true. Right. (laughs) You know, and I love that that's such a beautiful way to draw in family um, from a intention perspective without, you know, putting each other at risk. COVID has taught us that things aren't always how we want them to be. And we are being forced to pivot. We're being forced to go inward. We're being forced to handle our shit, right? We're being forced to like live in the house with the people that we've chosen, right? I know a lot of people have had a very hard time and say, oh my God, I can't believe I have to spend 24 hours a day with my spouse. And I'm over here going, oh my God, I get to spend 24 hours a day with my spouse. It's amazing. But, but like it's forced us to, to reevaluate, oh my goodness, these, this is where I am in life where we don't have the escapes that we used to have. We don't have the ritual we used to have. We don't have the ability to do the things the way we used to do them. And so my hope is that what we learn at this moment in, in life is that 
we can take these pivoting skills out into the world after COVID has passed and go, oh, I'm not going to be disappointed and throw a temper tantrum because I can't have it my way. I remember that during COVID, I couldn't have it my way and I changed what I was doing and I did it this way and it was fine. You know, um, and, and I do think that for me, the practice of kitchen witchery has really helped me deal with these things in finding new traditions in finding comfort in being able to practice without being able to be together and do group rituals with my community. Um, you know, I'm up here in, in new England. And so I'm very, very lucky because I'm very close to the temple of witchcraft and for large rituals like Yule and Samhain and, uh, you know, Beltane, we gather. And this year we haven't been able to gather. And so there, there's a hole in my heart and in, in my, my, my pagan soul of not being able to gather with my community for these big holidays. And how am I doing these things? What I've had to do is kind of reprogram and go, you know what? It's okay. Let's, let's do something within the home. Let me make a meal. Let me share, like drop off food at someone's house, you know, and, and, and be able to express my, my joy and my, my craft through food, I'm very, very grateful because I've been able to do that more now because I am home. Um, and, and instead of being like, oh, I can't believe I'm stuck here, changing the way I think about it, changing the way I'm perceiving the world and choosing to focus on being grateful for having a home to be in. Um, and that I have this practice that I can work on and, and improve and, and, used to work through whatever I need to work through. Um, but the learning to pivot, that's how we get into that place of being so negative and feeling so hurt and not being able to recover instead of saying, well, I can't do the thing I thought I was going to do. Now I'm going to do this instead. Exactly. I actually, my, one of my, uh, kids, little friends, um, is like, you know, all of us, they're having to have their birthday in lockdown and so, um, I guess my friend's son, one of his favorite things about his birthday is one, being able to see his friends and two, he loves cupcakes. So what they're actually doing, which I thought was absolutely adorable and brilliant is that she made appointments with, you know, a handful of his little friends where he's going to come next weekend and drop off cupcakes to all his little right. friends and do a little porch drop off where they can kind of wave to each other. And it's awesome. It's little things like that, that it's like, you know, I, I, I get kind of frustrated with people who just kind of throw their hands up in the air and say, well, there's nothing that can be done. It's like, well, of course there is. You just have to, like you said, just pivot, just modify. And so he's so excited because he's, he's genuinely excited that his birthday is going to be spent driving around town, waving to his little friends and getting to give them a cupcake. And, and giving, and, not receiving, which is really interesting about that because exactly. now he's giving. And so, you know, I mentioned that. And so, of course, now that's what my daughter wants to do. And she wants to give her little friends that's a little awesome. goodie bag and stuff. And so, um, but it, there's always things that you can do. And I think that sharing, no matter what, what you believe or what practice you have or what culture you're from, I think that the sharing of food, because food is an essential uh part of life. You need food to live. And so it's so culturally important, no matter where you are, who you're from, 
or, or what you believe, food is important. And so I think that the ability to share food, you know, even remotely is, you know, it, it's, it's just important. And I think that for the people who kind of throw their hands up in the air, I just get really frustrated. I've seen examples of people who everyone is going to cook one recipe and then they're going to eat it all at the same time while on a zoom, you know, and talk about it. Who's, who's worked, who didn't, you know, things like that. And it's like, this is something that we all share, you know, in one way or another, whether it's just to sustain your life or it's something that you're a total foodie and you just love food. And, um, I think, like you said, with the food holidays coming up, it's just, just find a way to pivot, find a way to make it safe, find a way to make it fun, Mm -hmm. find a way to enjoy it and share, share the love. Even if it's, you know, you have people nearby, you have neighbors, you could drop off, you know, a pie or a plate Mm -hmm. of cookies or something like that. There's just, there's so much that can be done in, in sharing that kind of, of love and connection. And when it's done with intention and it's done with that love and it's done with that visualization of let's connect, right? Because everything in kitchen witchery, everything in spell work, everything in energy work comes down to how do we feel and what energy we're putting in, right? So if we're doing it because we're begrudgingly like, oh, I got to make a fucking pie for the next door neighbor. I got to be nice to them, those assholes versus, oh, you know, I've never really talked to my next door neighbors. And even though I don't know them, I I would imagine that they're going through a hard time too. I'm going to make them a pie and just let them, you know, it's a nice thing to do. Just putting that good out versus, you know, putting out crap energy. And, and so everything comes down to that, that, feeling of giving the love and, and, and giving the positive energy. You know, one of the things I was really disappointed about, my husband and I were just talking about it the other day. I was like, Oh no, you know, I'm not going to be able to go to Yule. The temple always has a huge Yule ritual and they have it like right up the road from my house. And this is the one place where I can see all of my community members. And I always bake cookies and make like a dozen cookie trays and give them out to all my closest community members. And I went, Oh man, I'm not going to be able to do that this year. And then my husband and I were like, you know what we'll do? I'll make all the cookies. I'll make all the, I'll put them in tins and we'll spend an entire day driving around to everybody's house and, and like just leaving them, you know, like Christmas surprise, Yule surprise. Everybody's going to get this and I'm just going to leave it at the house. And I'm so excited. Just like that. Your, your, um, the, the cupcake exchange you were talking about that intention of giving, sharing, loving through food is so universal, especially at this time of year. That's so, so, so true. I love that idea too. Like I love, I mean, I love doing stuff like that. I love making little gifts for people. And I love dropping them. I mean, like that's something that I love so much. So it's like such a good time to do that right now because it's a way to connect with people without, you know, putting anyone at risk. So I I just love that. So we actually have a listener question um, that we'd love to get your insight on. And so the listener question goes like this. Hello to my three favorite witches. Well, thanks. Uh, I have a question that I thought you may have some wisdom to share about. I rent the house that I live in, but I've lived here but I've lived here for years. I feel very connected to the spirits of this land and I feel that they care and really care for and really protect my family. One spirit that I felt the most connection with is, um, 
is that of the old mesquite tree in my backyard. It's a beautiful tree with beautiful energy. I feel its protective presence every day. It's been there for decades and is hundreds of feet tall. Because of the big sharp thorns that it drops in my and my neighbor's yard, my landlord just informed me that the tree is going to be removed completely. They are out there hacking it apart with chainsaws as I write this. It's so tall that it will take days to cut down. Although I have no choice in this matter, I feel terrible about this. It hurts my heart on a level that I feel like they're cutting up and taking away a family pet. I guess my question is, how can I address this with the spirits of the land? Is the spirit of the tree gone after they cut it down? Maybe there is a way I can honor the tree. I just feel like I need to do something to try and make this right. I would be grateful for any suggestions you might have to offer. Don, what do you do? You have any anything to offer? <laughs> I do actually. Um, after seeing the question, I did a little bit of research because I'm not at that familiar with the mesquite tree because we don't have them up here in New England. I did not realize that they do have beans, right? So a mesquite tree has these bean pods or pea pods, and these beans are incredibly edible. Um, and that's also how they can be, um, replanted. So first and foremost, I would make sure that, um, the listener is able to collect some of the wood for sure, because the wood can be used for not only, you know, burning in ritual space, but also can be used for smoking meat and cooking uh, meat. So if, if the listener has a smoker and, and even if the listener is, is a vegetarian, this could be used for smoking vegetables, could be used for, you know, smoking cheese. Um, if you have a smoker and that is a classic barbecue flavor as a lot of uh, mesquite wood is used for smoking. Um, in this case, it would be done ritually, obviously, with intention and giving thanks to this tree. But I think on top of that, it would be really great if the listener could collect some of those beans, the more the better. They can be dried and replanted, which is wonderful because you could then put it in a pot and take it with you wherever you go until it's till too big. And then you could replant it in a permanent space or Amazing. you can even re- replant it in the yard outside. Um, but again, if this is an apartment and it's not someplace that you're going to be living forever, I would, I would keep it in a pot until it's, it's big enough to be replanted, which usually takes three to five years in terms of a tree. Kitchen witch wise, these beans can be dried and ground and they could be ground in just your food processor or coffee grinder once they're dried completely, which would take a couple of months, right? Um, unless you have a dehydrator of which you could, you could throw them in the dehydrator, but they can be ground down and added to cornmeal. And then you could make a, a cornbread or a corn cake out of it. Um, and maybe serve that at Yule in celebration of these tree spirits. And I would definitely leave some outside for the tree spirits. And for healing of the tree, I would mix together some warm water and some honey and pour it in the space where the tree was to mm-hmm. honor the tree and all the spirits that lived in and around that tree. That's my advice. That is really beautiful. It's and perfect. I want to raise up that like the mourning of the loss of a tree is, is such a real thing. And I've had yeah. people c- talk to me and write to me and just say that they're, uh, how heartbroken they are. And like, am I being crazy? I feel like I've lost a friend and I'm like, you're not, they're, that is very mm-hmm. real. And I have, mm-hmm. I have had made bonds with trees that when they were cut down, it's, it is a true grieving process. So I really mm-hmm. want to honor that. And, um, I love Dawn's suggestions. So thank you for that. I, I wish, I wished I had done similar things with the trees I'd lost in the past. 
I also wish that I was like, man, I wish I had thought of that previously. <laughs> it's like such a beautiful way to do it. Don, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, for those listeners that are as inspired as we are, how can people find you? Oh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Um, <laughs> uh, so everything you need to know about me or if you want to find out more or connect is at cucinaaurora.com, which I will spell because it is a mouthful. Cucina, C-U-C-I-N-A, Aurora, A-U-R-O-R-A. So that's the website, cucinaaurora.com. I'm all over Facebook at Cucina Aurora. I'm all over Instagram at Cucina Aurora. I have a YouTube channel at Cucina Aurora and spoiler alert, I may be starting my own podcast in the new year of which you guys will have to come on mine. Uh, yes, yes, please. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, well, so keep an eye out for that. And yeah, and you can oh my buy, gosh, that's all very of, exciting. You can buy all of my olive oils, uh, all my risottos, all of our products can be found at cucinaaurora.com and we do ship for free. Yes. Even out to Oregon. Um, and, uh, the cookbook is also available at kachinaaurora.com or on Amazon if you're into that sort of thing. Fantastic. Thank you so much for get, letting us know that. And I'm very excited to hear you might be doing a podcast. I can't wait. Um, well, thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to support the show, the best way is to subscribe and spread the word. Also, please, please consider leaving us a rating or review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also buy us a coffee or check out our merch on our Etsy store. For bonus content, become a supporter on Patreon. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcripts, or to ask us a question to answer on a future future episode, go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moting that shit and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Find us at thatwitchlife.com for archived episodes or to ask your burning questions for us to answer in a future podcast. So mote it be. I mean, you could fly me in on hooks to start your wedding, or I could just make it look really pretty. So, like, there's a whole range of, uh, <laughs> of offerings we can make. I have a whole new uh, new plan for our vow renewal that's now going to involve Hillary flying in on hooks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> My I husband's mean, going to crap his pants. He's going to be I've like, literally, Should we should do it as a surprise then? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I wouldn't tell him that beforehand. Are you kidding me? He's like, what is happening? No, I do I not renew. The, I want to see the fear in his eyes. Bye, That's bitch. what I want. <laughs> oh, my God. Doesn't he get that when you wake up in the morning? Don't you get that every day with your exactly. coffee? Exactly. She, she's awake. It's true. She's awake. Uh-oh. Awake. Be get silent and hide in the corner.